0: Welcome to Self. My name is Courtney Brame. I'm the host. Uh, I want to have very real conversations. Uh, I hear words like problematic and like a lot of avoidance tendencies in the spaces I occupy, like um, at my jobs, Notice I said jobs because I do a lot of stuff uh, in the settings I'm in, the environments that I'm in. I see that there is almost like an inverse of what it means to be a good human, Um, not from the perspective of like calling out injustices, but even calling out injustices has become an injustice, so to speak. So I, I'm micro navigating my way into what I believe is going to be a much larger conversation as I feel called to do this. Like I feel called to talk about um, and present solutions from people about subjects that very much affect people. But we, we hear people speaking for those who might have their voices muted. But we don't really give these people the opportunity to speak up for themselves because oftentimes what we might think a person needs to support them through a situation or to have supported them earlier in that situation might not even be it, you know. Um, and this is coming from myself who has been running a community community space for people who have been navigating herpes stigma and what i've learned over the last six years is that herpes is representative of something that is much more deep typically some form of a trauma and herpes outbreaks and stigma serve as triggers that link to that trauma and when we take the opportunity to explore what that looks like and i mean that's kind of where self stemmed from it was like I began to have much more meaningful conversations out loud to myself um on this platform, uh, more so than, you know, talking about herpes because I, I felt like there came a point where, this became so much bigger than herpes but people come to the herpes podcast for herpes content so there needed to be a place for me to express myself for me to have this self-exploration the self-education and uh that's really where the name kind of came from so um i didn't expect for it to become something where i'd be having what i like to call cancelable conversations uh but this is where we are so Um, I hope that that made enough sense to let this be something that people are willing to listen to with open ears and hear two people um, have a discussion about their lived experiences, not for the sake of calling out things, but just for the sake of like getting back to the intimacy and the solutions of genuine conversation between two people. So um, I hope that this resonates um, as you listen and stick around. I hope that, you know, when you have a moment where you're like, why did he ask that? Or why'd she say that? Whatever. Like, just sit with it. Because oftentimes when we think we might be triggered, what's happening is that we're being challenged and in the right, safe space, we're able to work through that. And we need people to do that with each other and for us and to hold us uh, in that regard of being able to not only be accountable but to just be you know a good person and to be able to be real because when we repress that stuff i think that it explodes out in in very unintentional way that causes significant harm all right all of that said i have a guest here i didn't even ask you if you wanted to use your name i have no reason to say your name okay all right i got the head now so we're on video but y'all are going to be on audio um erica you are a lot of things that i'm gonna let you say and you set the tone for what your identity is uh because i would say i I would probably say things that you wouldn't say so I'm, I'm gonna let you do that not add to it as necessary
1: um i occupy a lot of roles in my life uh i'm a mother uh i'm uh I'm a mother with no co-parent. I am a full-time employee. I am the eldest daughter out of five. Um, Like, those are my basic day-to-day things. Uh, I'm a lot of things. I'm a sister. I'm a friend. uh, I'm a caregiver. Um, I don't know. You know, that question is always really hard to answer because we can always answer the obvious things. And because other people see the other things that we typically, you
0: know, overlook. (laughs) Well, here's what I've seen so far from you. Um, In our time of knowing each other, I've seen someone who is very supportive. I've seen someone who is celebrating, and I see someone who is willing to also challenge. And these are three things that are very important to me with anybody who's in my life. Like, I want people around me who are able to support, celebrate, and challenge me. And you and I have had real conversations about different types of things, and one of those things has been, like, Lately, these conversations around men and women, uh, masculinity, femininity, and when I talk to you and I look at you, like, I think that I witness, um, like, an embodiment of femininity expressed in various ways, just with, like, how you communicate, I would say. And when I ask people, like, what does it mean to be masculine or when I hear people talk about what it means to be masculine or what it means to be feminine, usually their responses are in contrast to the other. What is masculinity? Oh, it's not femininity. What is femininity? Oh, it's not masculinity. What does it mean to be a man, to not be a woman? What does it mean to be a woman, not to be a man? And there's not really much more detail to that and when we talk about masculinity femininity there is absolutely like a a genuine essence and energy to or connectedness even to like this essence of divinity period like when i say divinity i just mean like at our core i don't mean divine as in way out there i mean like at the deepest root of our existence and that essence that is all of one where If we talk about masculinity, femininity, it would have come from that same essence, that same source. It's an essence of that source. Right. So um, I very much feel that one of the things that you've done for me is significantly validate my identity as someone who is curious and curious about these kinds of topics and like challenging things to talk about. Um, like on my social media feed, I'll post things that don't necessarily have to do with what my page is about, but it's just like this counter pop culture type thing. And I see things like um, self-care is this, or people calling people narcissists without any diagnosis or details. Um, speaking about what most recently brought this up was this uh, misogyny and misandry. And so that's kind of what got us to sit down and have this particular conversation. Because I think one of the things that I said was, um, how I read it was that misogyny is hate for women, like men hating women, misandry is women hating men. And as I explored that more, what I learned was that you know, as a man, what I've seen hate expressed as is more so apathy or avoidance. Like I avoid what I hate. If you're someone who's wronged me in the past, I'm going to avoid you. And that is what I've seen from the men around me who hate a thing. Like, oh man, I hate that. I don't even go there. (laughs) I don't even do that. Whereas with more women, what I've seen is The hatred for men expressed is closeness. It's like getting more engaged with the thing that they hate. Or even if women hate a thing, like I'll see women who are friends on the surface, but be like behind that person's back. Oh, I hate that B. I can't stand that B. And it got me thinking, I was like, yo, that's wild. Because as a man, I avoid what I hate, but as women, they engage with what they hate. And like I've gone on a date with a woman who has expressed like her hate for men and I was just like wow you know if, if I'm fascinated if you don't like men so much like why are you going on dates and me being a man I was like all right well we're gonna be on this date I know it's not going anywhere but this was really entertaining and like I still paid and I thought about it, I was like oh she will drink your drinks probably have sex with you maybe even end up in a relationship with you probably even get married but then like just because of that hate use you manipulate or uh corrupt and try and change and i don't know what that's about but um yeah these were just like the thoughts (laughs) and this is such a long like opening to this because i guess it's been building up inside of me to like really want to engage with real people about this kind of stuff because social media is not a safe place to do it like why is it why is it that social media is a place where You cannot engage about real things. You know, it's social media. It's more like compliance media now. I don't know. I don't know. But we can't really go forward without any sort of conflict or... Uh, disagreement and being able to willingly sit down with one another and like learn from each other from real experiences I don't want people to filter themselves and say well I know not all men or I know this da 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 but uh, yeah I want to invite this conversation so wrapping that up I want to give you the space to share um we ended up getting on the topic of abuse now I think uh or wait your eyes got big is that was that not it or did I freeze? I must have frozen. I am going to pause this real quick because we are frozen. All right. We had a little setback right there. All right. I'm, I'm, hopefully I'll be able to just roll with it. But um, yeah, we ended up getting on the topic of abuse and like how I don't know that men who hate women abuse women. That would be more of a women thing to do. And I wonder if there's like a, wow, I'm saying this out loud for the first time, but I'm wondering if it's like, as a result of single women who are angry at past, at child's father, let's say son's father, raised son with these traits, and then the abuse goes, expresses itself, not because that boy grows up to hate his mom and can't avoid her, so he has to engage with her, like, Wow, could that be a thing? I don't know. What, what were you about to say? I, I I feel like I just had like a mind-blowing moment.
1: <laughs> it's, um, you know, you say things like that, and I always say you the same thing. Courtney, I don't know what you're talking about because I don't, I, I'm a woman, and I don't do the things that you are physically seeing other people. You know, you're watching women end up in these relationships with what you're saying, having this very broad <laughs> vocabulary on how much they dislike men and uh i've seen that for sure in friendships you know women that will say you know i'm friends with such and such and wherever wherever." and it turns into something else you know it turns out that they're like keeping all these things whatever with men and mothers and and the dad like i grew up in a home where it was that was touchy you know and My moms might not have been like dogging my dad out, but they definitely talked about the things that went wrong in those relationships. And it definitely impacts, right? How those children grow up. We are definitely, um, that is molding how we view the world and we view people. And we're watching our mama getting done dirty, you know, quote unquote done dirty by somebody who was supposed to be. And the reality is when those things happen, nobody's talking to the kids about what's happening not in a productive way the parents are all you know the adults are in that world we're having that moment we're going through this breakup or whatever is happening and the kids are just there for the ride right so uh that's why for me that's important how i uh bring that image of the reality is that my my abuser not just the father of my children but my ex-abuser He's not just my ex he's also my abuser uh and even then i am very careful on how i communicate that in a way that my children can receive it depending on the appropriate stage that they're in so that they can process little by little because i don't i don't want to create that i don't want to create that thing where now the child is creating this weird toxic connection with their mom Based
0: on all of that other stuff that they saw around them. Yeah. Um, I and again, I just said that out loud for the first time. Like it's just like dots connecting based on what I've seen, what I've heard, what's been shared with me, and learning to navigate this stuff. Because like for myself, I was my my mom's firstborn. And I've spoken about this on a podcast. Like I feel like I was my mom's emotional boyfriend growing up. And so I got to see how she interacted with men. And I had more of the whole picture and know my mom. <laughs> so I know like her influences on what was going on. I know what she was saying. I know what she was doing. I know I know I know too much. And seeing the way that men would interact with my mom, Versus how my mom interacted with me. I think like made for a little bit of confusion because To me What I think was shown to me was like some form of like manipulation I think this is like called game or having game at this point like to be emotionally Unavailable to keep a woman is like that's what you gotta do like you gotta be emotionally unavailable and that worked for her because she also had the emotional availability of her son like i had to be there i couldn't leave right so she (laughs) wanted emotional availability from a significant other it didn't matter if she didn't get it because she had her son who couldn't go anywhere and I, i think about it like this like i don't know that um like we when we talk about abuse i wouldn't say my mom abused me but if i were to objectively say what like that i was my mom's emotional boyfriend. she's like oh my god that's emotional abuse and the sensitivity around that also kind of translates into sexual assault right and excuse me i had to burp i was drinking this waterloo water uh this bubbly water i've been on that since i moved to portland i gotta get my last little two days of portland life in before i move back home but anyway um people would like label that emotional abuse and there's a lot of collective sensitivity around things that I think devalues the experiences of people who have actually gone through and experienced what abuse is, right? So people in relationships, because a person, you know, just ghosted them, like, and you don't even know what reason that they had for ghosting. This person's an abuser. Okay, well, you know, that person probably didn't, but could have died. Does that make them abusive? Something tragic could have happened around them. Uh, does that make them an abuser? No, like this might be something that falls under the category of emotional abuse because of the lowered bar for sensitivity that we have nowadays with interacting with human beings. I love all your facial expressions and I'm kinda like I know i I'm on mute. I know that you you've muted yourself so that we don't have like the echoing and overlap and everything, but we all the same wavelength. I I very much appreciate the nonverbals. Um but yeah I, I I'm speaking specifically about this to set it up for you to be able to talk about your experience with abuse because like I said, like someone could say that my mom abused me because I was her emotional support throughout (laughs) probably most of my adulthood too uh, until learning how to set boundaries. Like, hey mom, we ain't talking about that. We, We ain't doing that. Here's what you can do. I give you this advice, like that's it, right? But from your experience, like, if there were a line for people getting accountability held for their abuser like your experience based on what you shared you'd be like at the back to someone who you know was juggling multiple relationships and the person that she liked just didn't text her back and now she's like you abused me like you would have to be behind that person when you have like a real lived experience so uh, i'll just like open up the floor for you to be able to speak your as much of what you would like to share and then i'll just jump in in points where you let me yeah um yeah
1: so let's let's just jump right into it uh and i will say that uh i I have experienced other forms of abuse prior to my relational abuse with my with my ex-husband, but I was at the end of the line for a lot of things, you know, and it, it was pretty crazy. Um, my uh, ex wasn't necessarily, he never hit me, you know. Uh, so because of different societal norms, cultural things, and the experiences that I had by the time i got to that point in my life uh there was a lot i was young and he was young and i am the person who i'm not quick to judge somebody for a poor behavior right like an unacceptable behavior uh, right off the bat right like i've always been the person that like i'm willing to hear your story and you know i can hear you out i can see how you got to places and It was just very subtle at first, and by the time I was 10 years into it, um, I was in a place where I was just scared to just exist, you know, there was a lot of, uh, when I say emotional abuse, uh, I'm not talking about something like, you were your mom's partner in life at that time, Uh, it might not have been right for her to lean on you emotionally, um, right, but I wouldn't classify that as abuse. Um, as, a, as a mother of kids, you know, that's not, it's not healthy, but it, it's not abuse either. It's just probably something that your mom was struggling with and didn't have anybody else to help her out. She did the best she could with what she had at that time. Right. Um, m- emotional abuse in my situation was, um, I'm just going to be very blunt about everything.
0: Uh, sorry See, to everybody. You shouldn't have to we'll, do that.
1: No, I'm just saying it because I'm I'm just preparing people because I'm going to start talking about oh. things in detail because I am not I can tell my story without freaking out and I know that sometimes it's important for people who are listening to this to hear those some of those details because it helps perspective.
0: That so is live. so much better than saying trigger warning. Thank you. Uh,
1: there there's no you're going to be triggered if you haven't dealt with your wounds listening to this conversation. So I'm just going to take some extra time here real quick to like send a lot of love to people who are listening to me about to share what I'm going to share and understand that if you are in this situation today right now that I'm not judging you, you're not at fault
0: uh, and it's going to be okay. You know you're my only listener, right?
1: (laughs) I know. Listen, like if one other person listens, you listening to me say that means that you will have conversations with other people and you will all of a sudden remember this moment here. That's the point of hearing things being said out loud. Uh, Your mind has to create that memory. Um, So when I say emotional abuse, I was in a relationship with somebody who, if I didn't let him fuck me the way he wanted to fuck me, he would still fuck me however he wanted to fuck me and then leave me there crying and then not talk to me for two weeks. Because I didn't give it to him like he wanted me to give it to him. So, that is emotional abuse.
0: That's not sexual abuse?
1: It was definitely sexual abuse. The in-between time where I'm now searching for you to forgive me for not giving it to you, right? Like I had to spend those two weeks begging for attention. I had to spend those two weeks begging for him to let me back in. I had to spend those two weeks being ignored in my own house, in front of my kids, uh, but still trying to come at me when it's time to go to bed at night, right? And I was in a place where I was feeling very just low, obviously, right? I'm accepting these things because I believe that I deserve them. Um, And I was just, that's where I was. That was my reality. Um, If. The most minimum thing got done off course. Like, it was just one of those situations. My husband wasn't beating me across the face, but my husband, there was a lot of ups and downs. And I was the sole provider for our home. I, you know, we had five kids. I was the sole provider for our home for about eight years total. I was a full, I have have a bachelor's degree that I acquired. You know, I'm a full-time mother of five children. I homeschooled my oldest. Like, I handled all of the housework i i was taking all that on because i was in a place where i felt like i was letting my relationship down and i needed my husband to have the space he needed to grow so i was like i'm gonna take this seat and just give him the space he's telling me he needs because he needs all this support i'm not supporting him i don't put him at the top he's telling me all these things i don't i don't you know i had to stop talking to my entire family to prove the point that he was more important than everybody else. He brought me in with the admiration of my big family, and that's something he always wanted, and then didn't know how to handle that, right? And was like, oh, that means that they're going to be involved in our lives? And when I come at you out of pocket in front of them, they're going to say something to me? Yeah. Okay, so we can't be around these people. And slowly, I became more isolated. Slowly, I pulled away. Halfway into their relationship, I, you know, I can say this. I searched outside of my marriage, and I started talking to an old friend, and I got all emotionally wrapped up with somebody else. And that came to fruition, basically, in my relationship, and it came up, and it blew up. And then all of a sudden, I did this thing. I cheated on my husband emotionally. And I understand that for men, that's huge, right? I broke this thing, which was really already broken, but now there's this thing we could point at. And that's kind of like how herpes is in life for me, like post my relationship. It's easy to point at herpes because herpes is the easy thing to point at. But you said it, herpes typically just like reminds you of the other thing. Cause it kind of goes away for a little bit, and it kind of creeps up sometimes. And then you find somebody you want to fuck again, and then you have to tell them you have herpes. And it's like, oh yeah, there's that thing that I was avoiding. I forgot about that. You know, my ex gave me herpes and didn't tell me about it for two years. He made me believe that I gave it to him. (laughs) Okay. If that's not emotional abuse, I don't know what is. One day in bed in the middle of the night, I guess he was feeling guilty two years later, and he told me that he gave it to me. I thought I was going to kill our baby because I was finding out I had herpes while I was finding out I was pregnant. I was having my first outbreak. And he told me that he gave it to me, and he was sorry. And I was like, fuck it, we're two years into this. Like, I got herpes, you got herpes, we'll share antivirals, and we'll have a great day. Okay. I didn't even give him shit for it. I didn't even give him because it's done, it's done. Like, I got herpes, thanks. We still got, like, all this other thing that we have to deal with. For two years, I had to carry that. And I felt like crap because I was, like, fucking around whoever before I got married. I was doing my thing. And I brought herpes to my husband. Damn, Erica, like, Fuck.
0: And when that happened, did you feel like you owed him? Like, oh, I need to just be loyal because I did this to him.
1: You know why I didn't? Because because I thought that I gave it to him and he knew he gave it to me, Courtney. He was super understanding of me giving him herpes. It's okay. I love you. I forgive you. It's fine. So here I am thinking, I have this open man who is accepting me for who I am, even though I brought herpes to his life, right? And he's telling me it's okay. He He's not mad at me for it. Of course he's not fucking mad at me for it. He knew the whole time he gave it to me. I found out later that he gave it to other people prior to me who were calling his family looking for him. I didn't know this until 10 years into my relationship with him. Like after, of course, like all these other million things have come up. Like my husband gaslit the shit out of me. Like he would praise me in public and like fucking dog me out at home. You know, he would constantly withhold affection from me and my children as punishment for however the fuck he was feeling. Um, you know, my children received yes. a lot of physical abuse at his hands, yes. and you know, I. The reality is that um, I'm gonna say this because I've processed it in therapy long enough now. But my first child was the only child that was conceived, you know, because we all wanted to be there. Like I had no control of like what kind of birth control I was on. If I tried to avoid getting pregnant, I would get guilt tripped into like, oh, you don't love me. Beso, thank you. I needed that. Yeah. Um, like he would guilt trip me and like he would make me feel bad. Like, oh, all of a sudden you can't just take a you can't take a chance with me and have another baby. No, motherfucker, we have three. I've had two miscarriages. You still don't have a job. Like we're in an apartment living with your mom. No, I don't want to take another chance with you. I need a break. I'm tired. What do you mean? And he would make me feel bad. And like. Withholding emotion,
0: ignoring me, you know, kind of like, you know, out of curiosity. So what I've come to sort of learn in my experience is that one of the most attractive things about a man to a woman is him like knowing what he wants, being decisive or being who he is. Like, you know, that he is consistently going to be who he is and his consistency. I ask this because I want to know if that reigns true in your situation. Like, was it that he knew who he was? Like, what was it that attracted you to this person?
1: So, we were really young. I'll say that first. Uh, I had, you know, I I was in a new city. I was not also planning on being with somebody long-term. I was enlisted in the military when I met my ex. Um, so, where I was was supposed to be like a pit stop town until I left basically in the military. <laughs> um, when I met him, I'll say this, Courtney like, I take you for who you are. Like, my husband had no car, he had a job, he was on probation. You know what I'm saying? Like, because he was, you know what I'm saying? Like, he was on probation. Like, and you know what? It wasn't even that, like, it was good, but. All of the things that encompassed him. Like, I remember sitting in my car one day, like, when we were still getting to know each other, and I was like, wow, you're so amazing. Like, he was, we were just talking, you know, we were talking about life, and we had very little life experience. We were 20 and 19 and 20 years old, you know, but he was talking about his hopes and dreams, right, everything he wanted to do, and I just, like, ran with it. I was like, oh, he sounds very confident. Let's go with that. And... I don't know what to tell you. I This was one of those moments where we used the condom, but it didn't really work out, and we just kind of went for it, and I was feeling, like, really safe and secure with him. And I used to go with my intuition with that. Like, if I felt it in my gut that I was good, then I was good. And he created that environment for me. I will say that he firmly believes that he is who he presents himself to be like, I don't think that he's not who I fell in love with. I think that I see that, uh, there's a lot more that needs to be done there. And I'm not a therapist, right? Like I've had to just learn that the hard way. I I can't fix him. Uh, and when I would try to verbalize, uh, he wasn't decisive. I saw hope in him. I could see the dream that he had. And I'm like, you can do that. He was talented. Right. My husband is super. Ex-husband is super talented. He is into music. He's super intelligent. We had similar tastes. You know, we shared a lot of similar interests. Either we shared a lot of similar interests or he was pretending that we did. I don't know if he was lying then or he's lying now, but either way, he was lying like and you can only hold up that front for so long. Right. And then we had a baby like quick. Like, I got pregnant, and I was like, fuck it. I'm having this baby. I'm not going in the military. And he was a fucking awesome dad. All of a sudden, I'm like, okay. But then things started to go astray. Like, bad. Like, I would come home, and the kitchen was clean. Everything was done. Everything was perfect. And then all of a sudden, I feel like he got tired. Uh, Things weren't going good. He lost his job, and he was starting to have to confront life. And I was seeing that. He was seeing that I was seeing that he was, I wasn't prepared for this. I know. And I also know, obviously, I know his life story. And I know how he got to where he is. So I can't fault you for that. So I'm looking at him and I'm like, we can grow through this. We're young, right? We have time to grow up. It's going to be fine. He seems like he's receptive to us growing together. So we can do this. Because I'm the type of person to get help. I'll go get a therapist with a quickness. Where is the first fucking free therapy so I can sign up? Like, my therapist is about to go on maternity leave and I'm like, girl, who's your replacement? Like, I, I, I understood from a very young age that if I have that resource, I should take advantage of it. I, I tried to go through church. We were in some fucking wild ass church and there were elders and all this other bullshit. And I was, you know, was the business wife and I'm following that fucking track. I went to elders and I got, you know, I, we ended up leaving the church. My husband was like so outraged for me, like asking somebody outside of our house for help. It was that kind of situation. We're fucking up. You're beating our baby. Like you're falling apart. You're fucking raping me on a regular basis. And you don't think we need help? Courtney, there were men around us to hold him accountable, but nobody knew what was happening. And then when I spoke up, I got shut down.
0: You got shut down? From all angles. Okay, I was about to ask who shut you down.
1: Like, uh, there was no way for me to... Markers, nope, we're just going to take a quick nope, nope, (laughs) pause, nope. (laughs) I love you. But no, we're, we're not
0: doing that. Oh, have- oh, oh, he got markers. All right. <laughs> yeah, pause. Okay. Um, nope.
1: I tried to get help in ways that he wouldn't feel like I would. I wasn't judging my husband. Right? Like, I was telling him, I see you. I see you struggling, bro. I'm going to cry. I was like, I see you struggling. Like, you're having a hard time. Let me fucking help you. You don't want me to help you? There's like... You know, so I'm telling him, just let me help you. And if you... And if it's, you know, strange, right? Like, if, if that's like a thing, if you just can't get help from me directly for whatever, right? We had a long line of people that were like more than willing to jump in. Um... Right, but he just wasn't open to that, He, 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 for whatever reason. I mean, I I know for a lot of reasons, but, you know, even at that point where I'm coming home and we're looking at our less than one-year-old baby bruised up because you can't even handle getting through a fucking, like, meal with a fucking baby, like, that's how much you're struggling. Like, I see you. And then, you know, as time goes by, alcohol came into the picture and, you know, we went from zero to six. It just escalated really fast.
0: Yeah. Uh, I hear you saying that um, he, uh, what did you say? I hear, like, that you you were taking care of everything. You were working full time. He wasn't working. He was in hard times. And it seems like he just wouldn't ask for help. And you mentioned there were men around you. There was nobody to hold them accountable because any time that you did speak up, you were shut down. And I'm empathizing here and trying to put myself into uh, your ex husbands situation. And all I can think about is how I guess potentially invalidating that role might have been to his identity if he was head of house and he's talking in a way that's like you going outside of our house to find you know what we need to do and I guess it just seems like this constant invalidation to his identity maybe not even just as a man or as a masculine person but also uh, you described him as a musician, as an artist, like you said he had ideas. So for him to perhaps not have been validating himself or having his identity validated in those particular things, there was this expression of repressed. Oh, You can't hear me anymore. Oh, oh OK, OK. There was like this expression of repressed. Energy that just like spilled out in the most intense way. Go ahead.
1: I co-signed for loans at music school. I bought studio equipment. Courtney, I'm the most supportive person to have on your back. You you, you need support, call me. Studio equipment, mics, uh, motherfucking a bachelor's degree that I'm still paying for that never got finished. I helped him seal his record So that wouldn't impede him getting a job Got him off of probation two years early Like I will do whatever it takes To get my partner to wherever the fuck they want to go Just tell me You, you, you want to be a fucking producer bro I got you You want to sell food out of a food truck We bought a truck that we were supposed to turn into a food truck It never happened That I hear you, that does happen often. I know a lot of men who that is their complaint.
0: I have all these things. Just not being supported?
1: Yeah, I have all these things that I wanna do and every time I start talking about it, buddy, I'm trying to tell Courtney, I got you. I'm gonna tell him, don't worry. Every time I try to, you know, I I wanna do a new project. I don't wanna work for somebody anymore. I wanna be self-employed, you know. And a lot of partners freak the fuck out, right? Because it's like, what do you mean? You want to, like, embark on a fucking new journey. Like, what? Me, I'm like, great, let's quit our jobs, pay our 401ks, and start a food truck. I see where that truck is. I have no fucking clue.
0: Damn. I'm
1: I'm a supportive partner. I can stand on my feet and say that if I am anything, I'm a supportive partner. That was not my, no. If and if he was feeling repressed, he was doing it to himself. It wasn't me. Yeah. And... I... Whatever he wanted, just tell me.
0: You know what this makes me think of? Because you mentioned he gave you herpes. And I'm wondering how much of this had to do with that as well. Like, tracing that back. Tracing the trauma of a herpes diagnosis back to whatever that would represent for him. You know, is there something there? Because you also mentioned the sexual assault. I know people who think, oh, I can't have kids. I can't have a family because I have herpes. And here he was, you know, now able to have kids, able to have a family, and you were willing to give him that. And the way that you the way that you talked about it obviously wasn't ideal, except for um, the first child and the rest of it was emotional and sexual abuse. I, I'm I'm connecting some dots there for this to have potentially had more to do with the invalidation of identity when it comes to sexuality, because it was like he, in a very roundabout, manipulative way, had his sexual freedom back.
1: 100%. It wasn't, it wasn't until after we split that he told me how he got herpes I never asked him because to me it wasn't important right I was like I don't care how you got herpes like I, I'm i that person like I don't care you have it like uh, like if it was traumatic and you want to talk to me about it then that's great but I'm not going to judge you for how you got herpes um um He was in jail for a while when he got out of jail he needed to have an experience you know because he had been in jail for a while and he walked away with herpes and then i don't know what happened to him at his diagnosis or between him getting diagnosed and how much longer i came into the picture but what i did learn was that he did give herpes to other people Right, And I did find out later that he knew it when He knew he had it when he gave it to me But I can put myself in his shoes And imagine the trauma of everything that led to him being in prison Which was fucking insane Then him having to be in jail Then having to get out of jail Then having his first sexual encounter And walking away with herpes Like see I can see him through that
0: You know what I'm learning is that some people, when you see them, that's more frightening to them than anything else. Like, to actually be seen. It is. It is.
1: And I will say that I see people in a very, like, intense way. And I know that I have that. Like, people are around me, and they, I, I feel that. It's part of who I am. I'm a projector. That's part of who I am. I see people. I see people strongly and I can't help it. That's just how I am. It's part of my energy. It's part of my aura. Um, and I know that he felt like I have to give her herpes because she's not going to stay with me and give me all these
0: things. I know that. That's deep. What do I have
1: to offer her? I'm on probation. I don't have a car. I'm living with my sister. I have, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, And I wasn't judging him for that. When I met him, like, he was taking the bus. Like, I was down. I was like, you're taking the bus, motherfucker. Tell me where you live. I'll give you a ride. That's crazy. Like, where you at? I'll pick you up. It's not a big deal. Yeah. Like, I was so ready to, like, you want a ride? Come ride. I'm that person. If you want to be on a ride with me, like, come ride with me. Like, it's safe here. Like, you're going to be okay here. I promise. Um... But I know that subconsciously, I know he didn't do that on purpose. I really know that he wasn't like, I found this chick. She's really cool. I'm going to give her herpes and lock her down. And then I'm going to abuse her for 10 years. That wasn't his plan. But I feel that. I feel like subconsciously he did that. Yeah. Because he knew he had herpes. And he didn't protect me from that. He didn't care for me enough to protect me from giving me herpes
0: and this has been going on since y'all met you've had five children uh all by him right?
1: yeah
0: and what's been the process of delivery i guess like have you had vaginal births have you given herpes any of your kids
1: i'm gonna give everybody hope and say that my births have been awesome um I can tell you with a certainty of 50, 50% chance that my kids probably have herpes and probably don't. Uh, I definitely have had thoughts about it. I Asla. but Asla. Asla. yeah, you're fine. Exactly. Um, but I had great births. Um, I had all vaginal births. My first birth was in a hospital. Um, all of my other births were at home. My husband actually helped me through two of those births um, with no midwives. And, you know, we had... Weirdly enough, we had great experiences around that. Um, I have herpes has not complicated that part of my life, except that I do take antivirals at week 36 um, to make sure that I don't have any outbreaks at the time of birth because we don't have any we don't want any outbreaks in the canal because you will pass it to your baby. And then if you have an outbreak, if you guys don't know anybody listening, if you have an outbreak, you do have to have a C section if you go into labor. Um, to prevent a host of complications that come from that um, but I, I had no complications because of herpes if anything like my first pregnancy was super scary because I googled it and I thought I was going to kill my baby oh. I came to my first appointment I thought I wasn't going to be able to breastfeed my babies like I was really scared yeah and I have breastfed all of my babies extensively. Um, my children are great. Like they they're not herpes
0: was not effective. Mm-hmm.
1: If anything, herpes made me more aware to be like healthier. Yeah. What's, that
0: time. what's the age range of your children? <laughs> all right.
1: This little guy just turned three on Saturday. I have a three year old, a four year old, a six year old, an eight year old, and a fourteen year old.
0: Did you say three year old twice or do you have two three year olds?
1: Three,
0: four, six, eight, fourteen. Oh, oh, all right. And um in a time like twenty twenty three where it is so hard to like live, you got five kids on your own and you doing this, like, talk to me about that.
1: Um total honesty, it's super scary. I'm not financially stable. Uh, I don't get uh, regular child support. Uh, Even if I did, it's not a lot. Um, And I do have to depend on my family a lot. Mm -hmm. A lot of family, a lot of, uh, and by a lot, I mean two or three people (laughs) who come out of pocket every month to make sure that I have a place to live. Um, And, yes, I'll tell them. Yes, we work really hard. I know. Um, A lot of food pantries. You got to connect with people, and it fucking sucks. Wow. I hate connecting with people. I hate connecting with people out of necessity. Uh, that's really hard, Um, but it's led me to really beautiful places, and I don't know how I do it. Short story. On Sunday, I got locked out of my house with my kids and my mom. My garage door wouldn't open. My front door, I have a latch on it, and I leave it on because I'm a victim of abuse, and I, that makes me feel better. The garage door wouldn't open. I'm locked out of my house with all five of my kids and my mom, and it's just not working out. I'm like, Mom, just go play in the backyard. I'll figure it out. Maintenance people can't come open it. They're telling me, you no. Know, the police can't come help me. Fire department can't come help me. I have to call a locksmith. In the middle of calling the locksmith, my three-year-old autistic child gets lost and we have to go look for him. All of a sudden, my front door is open. I just pushed it and it opened magically. That's how I do it, Courtney. Shit like that happens to me all the time. I don't know how to explain it to people. I literally don't know how to explain something like that to people. I try to follow my feet wherever they lead me and be super like in tune with myself. And that's really fucking hard. I have to not be scared to get fired from my job, to put my emotional and mental oh, well being before my job, before you know my kids go first. Like I have to take a leave of absence from work. I'm going back to uh, work on Thursday. No idea how it's gonna go. Uh, I honestly, like whatever they decide to do with me, it'll be fine. It'll be fucking scary, but it'll be fine. But the reality is that I'm at that point where I'm willing to like, no, I don't know how I do it, but I know that I do tell people all the time when they try me, I'm like, I don't know if you see me. I'm five five. I'm just standing here by myself, but I'm not alone. I'm never alone. And the people that come at me, I don't have to spend time hating them, or being angry, or like wishing them ill will, because I'm taken care of. No matter what like i'm carried and my ex-husband who spent 10 years abusing me i have never wished him ill will and i still don't because the world deserves to have him at his whole beautiful self so do my kids and so does he i deserve to have a fucking co-parent that's on the same page as me my kids deserve to have a dad who's a whole entire person who's healed and full of love and if he can't give them child support at the very least he could give them love. They deserve that, and he deserves that, and we as the world deserve to have him be healed and whole, so we can experience what he was brought here to
0: give us. It makes me think when um, when you prioritize the needs of your spirit, the needs of the body take care of themselves. Uh, the the door story that's wild, <laughs> like I get you. You can't explain it, and some things just happen that way. Um, I've had various experiences of just like leading with my own intuition as well and it working out for me. And I wish that people were willing to go into the depths of healing that have to happen. Like, I it's not a necessary, um, it's not a luxury. It's a necessity, like we have to heal. I think that right now, a lot of what healing is, is go to therapy, pay for a therapist, self-care, buy bath bombs, buy this, pay for that. But so little of it is really actually being able to be with the hurt, the pain, and then be willing to heal with it. And people just don't do that. I think we're very disconnected from higher power and what we would pray to and, you know, just whatever that thing is that grounds and connects us to source or divinity whatever it is that you want to call it god right i think that we're very disconnected from that and very connected to the algorithm and people just really don't know how to lead with their intuition to prioritize the needs of their spirit and just trust that the body needs are going to be taken care of
1: i i'll tell them thank you I think that religion and the way that it is perpetuated in the United States makes those things very confusing. Um, Where are you from?
0: I'm from Puerto Rico. Okay.
1: And even back home, Catholicism is like harsh. That's the thing. That's what.
0: He agrees. I'll tell
1: him. I'll tell him. Um, Catholicism is what colonizers brought to us, right? That's what that's what they brought. They brought Catholicism, Christianity. Um, yeah. Right, so we had to assimilate yeah. through that. Oh, and we, yeah. Yep, we have our own uh, practices, our ancestral practices, but that's like the main overriding thing. Here it's the same thing, right? There's a church on each corner and now like the mega churches are fucking out of control. Like, let's just be real, guys. It's just fucking crazy. Um, but I will also say that lack of it's not that this is hard or that it's expensive or that time is a resource that we don't have a lot of people don't have i don't have time i took a leave from work knowing damn well that i could lose my job my second this is my second leave in two years i encourage everyone who has an employer to look at your plans and if you have leave of absence go take one just go take it your doctor, find a doctor that will say that my, pay- you need a break. It's hard to take breaks if your life depends on this money that you have to pay. I'm on a paid break. Like, I'm not sacrificing shit, except, like, what I'm sacrificing when I am working. I can't take a six-week non-paid leave from work. Who keeps all of this going if I do that? Nobody keeps that going. Not even the government, because I don't qualify for benefits. Isn't that crazy? That is. A single, a single mom of five that makes less than $60,000 a year doesn't qualify for benefits in the state of
0: Ohio. And so. What's the reason?
1: Income. I make too much money.
0: You know, alright, so I'm <laughs> I moved to portland and i think over the last few years well pandemic aside i think before that like i started working for myself i made three thousand (laughs) dollars my mama laughed her ass off at me when i told her that i was like yeah i made three thousand forty two dollars when i was a personal trainer starting out that's how much i made in 20 it was 2017 i quit my job and I moved back home, and I started working with my friend. I made three thousand dollars a year. 2018, I made a little bit more than that. And then 2019, I was like, I don't know what I'm about to do. <laughs> 2020 hit. I don't know how, but miraculously, I started getting that uh, that six hundred dollars a week, and I that changed my life. And I go ahead. what were you? Go ahead
1: that's important those $600 a week made a difference to so many people so many people were able to live a standard quality of life because of those fucking $600 it doesn't take that much to just help people out $600 a week is I think almost barely like I'm just barely making more than that now With what a bachelor's degree, all these years of experience in my fields and, like, all of this shit. Like, that shit's, like, that shit doesn't matter in 2023. They'll hire some asshole that's half my age with no experience and pay him double. Then, when well, they're paying me and then fire me on the way out.
0: Man.
1: Like, it's nuts. And that is important, though. I remember you talking about that when I started uh, listening to you about how much I made a difference for you. <sighs> yeah, all of a sudden, All of a sudden, you can sustain yourself. You don't have to worry about your... Do you know how important it is to eat? (laughs) Listen, we can have some clear thoughts when we're fasting, but after a while, like, we need to eat.
0: Yeah.
1: Like, even spirit is like, yo, uh, that water is looking kind of like, what's up? Is there a little sprinkle, sprinkle for the water? Like, and I feel that, like, man, it's hard. It's hard, like, I am at the point where I'm willing to give up my livelihood for my mental health. I'm willing to grab all of my fucking kids and put myself in a one-bedroom apartment, if that's what it takes, for our mental and spiritual well-being to be intact. I refuse to add more scars to my children's, like, fucking whatever. I'm I'm in repair mode. And I will make the best out of fucking nothing if I have to. Like, but I'm not going to continue giving more of myself with no reciprocity. Like, I did that for 10 years with somebody already. I told my mama, like, I'm like, mama, what you did with three baby daddies, I did with one. Like, I didn't need three husbands. I did it all with one guy. So, (laughs) now that we've learned all those lessons, we're just going to move this way now. And I'm not, I don't even let my parents fuck with my peace like they can't understand you know how i moved you know our parents have all these views of how we're supposed to be based on what they were taught and that shit just is outdated unfortunately a lot of that stuff is foundational but you really have to like push through there to apply it and tweak it and add to it right i'm taking all the good stuff that you're giving me and now i'm going to add some more good stuff to it because 2023 is not 1967.
0: It's not. <laughs> two dollars
1: is just not two dollars anymore.
0: No. Like
1: tell me a story about how my granddaddy got ten cents to go get a haircut. I'm like, Mama, times are different now.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say it's it's forty dollars. Forty dollars
1: um, times, times are different and I would rather be broke and homeless with my kids than be giving my spirit the way that I was giving it away. I'm fucking like I have bags under my eyes and I, I just noticed for the first time. Like on top of all this shit, like it's hard. And living post abuse living post that relationship that i still have to carry daily because my kids have to talk to their dad and they have to have a relationship with him and all this other bullshit that the court says i'm supposed to do with somebody who was abusing my kids like i'm like i'm here and and i don't i don't make it difficult i but i do hold my boundaries and um, that's a non-negotiable Because that little guy right there that's, like, talking about... No. Try me. I'm a different person today than I was years ago. I've grown. You know, I'm not... I had to grow through that, and it was fucking hard. And I will say this. I did not want to divorce my husband. I thought that if we spent, like, three to five years living separate, you know, but, like, in the same... you know, Separate but together, I believed we could do it. I was like... 3 to 5 years babe it'll be fine it'll be fucking hard but imagine what we could do if we took the time to just like pump the brakes a little bit pour into ourselves what we've obviously not been pouring like i think we got this but we have to be willing to get help like i jumped straight into therapy as soon as i left my husband
0: all right let's let's real quick let's let's touch on something real quick because do it you there's a line between being naive and then being faithful or hopeful. I'm sorry, having faith, being hopeful. Uh, You gave me some really good advice and your advice was uh, because I was complaining about dating and I remember I was like, man, yeah, when I do this, I get a lot of high quantity responses. It was just me, like, not really talking too much, being emotionally unavailable, like just being your traditional man, like not really talking about feelings, just using leading language, not asking questions, not asking. And that was really working for me in dating. Like I was, I was having sex, (laughs) but I wasn't having intimacy. And when I was doing it, I was like, yo, there's an inconsistency here. And the inconsistency is that I want relationships I don't want to just fuck like I want to be in a relationship like it's not like a time thing it's just that I see more value in intimacy than I do in just fucking now now to have intimacy and be in a relationship and to be fucking like that's different that that, that hits different uh the idea of it at least hits different because I, I don't have that um but the reason that i say that is because i learned that i'm much better in relationships than i am in dating like i'm i'm good at relationships bad at dating and I don't want to get better at dating i want to get better at being in relationships the only way to do that is to practice doing that and being in a relationship like you know i don't want to get better at dating because that's going to take away the relationship component right so when i was talking to you about this what you said to me was it was like well you don't have you can unsubscribe from that game i think those were the exact words that you use and i was like oh so all that meant was for me just continuing to lead with intentionality but like not like having to cut myself off from being who I am because the thing about that is while that may be intimidating to somebody or that may be something that you know somebody isn't ready for all it's really doing is clearing the space for somebody who is ready for it right um So I I give that context because you're the person who gave me that advice, yet you were hell-bent on making this relationship work. Is that because, you know, in your case, you're a relationship person, but you're a relationship person with this person? Were you thinking that you can get better in the relationship with this person by being in the relationship with this person and staying married to
1: them? Ah. I have learned, I have been described over the last couple years, like, as a hopeful person, and I didn't think I was. What happens with me is that I believe that everybody has the capability to live up to their full potential if they're given the opportunity, if they're given the right environment, if they're given the right tools. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I believe in that. I believe that if in a perfect world, everybody would be able to live to their full potential and we would live in like a beautiful place. And when I looked at my husband, I saw that. That's just, that's a gift that I have. I can look at you and I can see you past this moment, way out there. And I see you here and I can see you there. And I'm like, wow, that's beautiful. But I can see that I can't. You can't fuck, I can't fucking see it for you. You know what I'm saying, like. And when I was seeing my husband, in those moments, he was very receptive to that idea. It only lasted three weeks. It took him three whole weeks of being like, I can't pretend anymore, and like the fucking psychotic behavior started. Right. The stock, because now we're separated. Now I had left the home, and then. I had to leave without anybody knowing I was leaving. It got to that. So I yes. ran away from my home in the middle of the night with my kids. Uh-uh. Yes. It was that situation. Absolutely. It was escalating and that's where we were going. So I was like, No, you're yes. not gonna kill me. You, you you're yes. not gonna be drunk and being crazy. No, we're not we're not doing that. I've seen enough lifetime movies. Like I know where this is going. I don't have to pretend like I don't know where it's going. You know what I'm saying? Like, That was, I couldn't. I now had the man that was supposed to be my safe place threatening me with a fucking knife in my house. So I had to make a choice. And even after I made that choice, I could still see him. It only took three weeks. It all fell apart. I mean, it was the longest fucking divorce ever. It took us two whole years to get through it. So many DCF, child protective services, psychological evaluations, like the trauma that the split was, I don't know if it outweighs the trauma that it was't. All that to say, I was naive <laughs> because I loved him. Um, but I did believe in that. I I still do believe that that could have been possible. I just, my rational mind is there and my intuition. I can now listen to it. I can now connect my rational mind to my intuition. I no longer feel like those two things are separated. So those two things can be real. I can have all this love for him, and I can also rationally see that he's not good for me and decide not to be in that relationship anymore. I tell my kids all the time, you know what? Don't ever let a fucking marriage certificate or you telling somebody you want to be their girlfriend or their boyfriend today stop you from saying, I changed my mind. I don't want to be your boyfriend or girlfriend anymore. Sorry. I have. This is a discovery process. I now have new information and I have made a new choice and I changed my mind. You can literally change your mind whenever the fuck you want. Who told us we had to stay in these crazy psychotic relationships with people? I was lost driving the other day and I refused to pull over. And I was like, Erica, you're 35. Just fucking pull over. For the first time in my life, I had to pull over. I gave myself permission to fucking pull over. You can give yourself permission to break up with somebody who doesn't work, who doesn't work with you. Something crazy doesn't have to happen for you to say this isn't working. We don't need to wait until it gets to a knife in your face i knew it the very first time i came home and i found bruises on my kid but i was not in a place in my head and i didn't have the right people around me to give me the support that i needed and that we needed to see that this isn't gonna work and it's okay y'all don't have to be together because y'all have a fucking kid together y'all can just decide not to be together and figure it the fuck out i didn't have to marry him and stay with him for all those years but i was fucked up I was fucked up from trauma, I, you know, I I experienced a lot of fucked up things when I was a kid, and I didn't get the right support I needed to heal from them, nobody taught me how to be in healthy relationships, oh you're finally coming to say hi, oh shit,
0: oh hey, hi.
1: Thanks. Nobody ever taught us how to be in healthy relationships, And according to this day, we still don't have a good example in our family of what a good, healthy relationship looks like. My grandparents are the only ones, and they don't count because they hate each other. They're faking it.
0: So what model for a healthy relationship did you have, I guess, growing up or... In adulthood, who did you learn to be in relationships, or who did you learn how to be in relationships from?
1: I learned from my moms and my aunts. Um, my mom and my dad split when I was two. So they, I was really young, and my stepmom came into my life when I was four, and she helped raise me. And my mom remarried shortly after, and I had a stepdad for like seven years. Um, those relationships were okay. I was little, you know. As I got older, I saw the cracks. And then my parents just kept getting divorces and some of them got remarried multiple times.
0: We got very interesting reactions to that. Because, like, my parents have never been in the same room except for, like, when one was picking me up or dropping me off to the other one. And I thought this was normal. Like No, like,
1: my... Both of my moms have only been in the same room together over the last 15 years, twice. You're so cute, I know. This is my son, Courtney, here, since nobody else can see him. (laughs) Go baby. Um, And my mom's, like my stepmom was with my dad for 13 years. My dad was a habitual cheater and that was not known (laughs) until later on right it came up it came up like that and he wasn't very emotionally available to us we had to ask what his mood was before we went to go talk to him we didn't have to but we felt like we had to because we knew that we would like pay the price off like temperature check bitch like how's daddy feeling today do we have a chance to go to the movies or do we need to wait until tomorrow to ask and you know what i'm saying like i don't want anybody to think that it was bad it was bad but it was bad in the normal ways that it was bad for us in those times Hmm. um but they were not healthy relationships my moms both accepted a lot of shit from their partners uh they were both in abusive relationships at one point or another, uh, and I got to see that.
0: You know, when you um, always, when you said moms, I always thought that you you were just raised by a lesbian couple. I no. swear, I always I thought that this whole time. I, I don't
1: I don't mind people thinking that, but right. I don't correct them either until they ask. All right, so I have my bio mom who obviously birthed me, and my dad remarried when I was really small, and my stepmom helped raise me like she. Her and my dad split when I was 16, but, like, I just moved to the state she lives at. Like, I still, that's my mom. That's my mom. Without without her, like, I'm grateful that I had them in my life. They, they balance each other out in ways that they'll never know because they're weird and they don't want to be, you know what I'm saying? Like, they do have that weird vibe where they're just like, we're not friends. It's cool. Um, But, yeah, like, my examples were of a lot of women who were not happy in their marriages who had very shitty husbands and it was very obvious (laughs) nobody was tiptoeing around that and uh as i've gotten older i've just you know you get older you find out new things about your family and the stories just get worse and worse like i still learn new things from my mom just told me some shit this weekend that i didn't know you know when she was in one of her relationships and i'm like wow mom she's like i've literally never told anybody that until just now and i'm like I'm sorry. Like, we grew up in a culture that you don't talk about stuff like that. My mom grew up in a culture where you don't talk about stuff like that. And there's a lot of shame around that. There's a lot of shame around sticking around these relationships where you have a shitty husband. But then there's also shame around getting married and then getting divorced and then getting married again because now you're loose. And it's like, all right, but I'd rather be loose than get, be getting abused. Like, I don't know. Like, just. Uh, it's very pandering, cause we just wanna be like respected, right? Mm-hmm. Like if you see somebody and you know they're getting fucking abused, you're all just standing there watching it happen, fucking bystanders, and we're just standing there waiting for somebody to like, oh yeah, that is happening over there. What the fuck are y'all waiting for? You made that comment and then low key pissed me off.
0: Wait, which when comment? We
1: were talking the other day, you were like, if men knew this was happening, you know, they would handle it. And I'm like, I hear what you're saying, Courtney, but where are those men at?
0: Oh, all right. So going back. Like,
1: my ex, my, my not my husband, but my last partner that I just had, you know, we broke up for other reasons, but safety was never one of them. And he had to deal with watching me deal with my kid's dad. And that was something very, like, I felt that from him, that protection, that, wait a minute, what's happening? Like, uh, what's going on? And he very much loves my children. Like, he's loved them like their own, like his own always, even in a short period of time. So I do know that those men are out there. I've just never seen them when I needed them. Mm -hmm.
0: So... My okay, wait. You said that that pissed you off, and then you said, "Hey, now these men exist." It pissed
1: me off because I know that they exist, right? Like uh, you're not making something up out of thin air. Like we've all met good men in our lives at one point or another. If somebody hasn't, like, I'm sorry, I will say that I have a special love for a man in my heart. I am not a man-hating person. That's that's not something that's in me, and. Just is what it is um but where where have those men been for me where where are they at my brother-in-law ex-brother in law whatever the fuck you want to call him now, man of christ and he's from georgia and he's a great man and he comes from a farmer family and he's a christian and he's a respectable man and he has a great job and he has a great family where was he at when all this shit was happening in my house co-signing on it His mom was living in our house with us, co-signing on that shit. Like, there were people around me witnessing what was happening, and nobody once, once, not once. Where are those men at? Where are they at? Where where are they? And why are they not, like, standing up in droves? Yeah. in front of the domestic women's centers to help
0: those women you know what if i had to philosophize here it would be that it would be this like the apathy um i don't know if me and you got to talk more about this but the developed apathy i had a conversation with my granddad and my grandfather is uh he's in the marines he was a marine And him and his boy saw this woman getting her ass beat in the street by her boyfriend. And they go like, whoop this dude ass. And she jumps in and like they stop. And then the couple presses charges on him. So these six dudes that check this man, he learned something in that scenario. He was like, oh, if I have all the control over this woman, now I can... I'm, I'm safe to do what I want to do, even among these men who normally, like, men fear being disrespected by other men or violence from other men. These are the consequences that we just know exist, right? We know that. And so through not knowing these dudes, he's like, I ain't got to worry about it. y'all respect. Fuck y'all. But then the fear of violence is like, oh, y'all, y'all might be hitting me right now, but we finna press charges and shit out of y'all asses because... I have this woman and what those six men learn is, all right, I need to mind my own fucking business. Like I just need to do my own thing. I need to like not get involved. And I think that that's now happening on a much more massive scale between the consequences of getting involved being much heavier than the reward for getting involved because it's not like a reward of respect or just protecting women and like you got women saying f men and men are trash like what do you think that does to these men who would like step in and step up to things like it beats them down and it makes them more apathetic and it makes them say all right well I'll just reserve this for the people who matter to me like I'm gonna just protect my family right if that even Oh, wait. You, okay, there you no, go. No, no, no. no.
1: If, if that, I don't disagree with you. I don't. I agree with you. And I understand men's apathy and how it got there. Because you're right. You know, you try it, Especially in domestic violence situations, you gotta be careful. Because you step in at the wrong time, and sometimes the person who's being abused will turn on you. <laughs> Ab- abuse gets like that. Yeah. Abuse gets like that and it's scary and... I was there. When things got bad with me, my family... Courtney, my family tried to come get me, and I wouldn't leave.
0: Right? So, I... I
1: I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I... I wouldn't.
0: From your perspective, I need to know what... Like, what can have... What could have been done differently? If you won't leave, and people are trying to save you from the situation, and you won't leave, like, there's nothing else we can do besides... Inflict harm on the person who's harming you, and then even what? if you do that, that's gonna hurt what? you in a different way.
1: The only thing you can do is be there when that person is ready.
0: You know how hard yes. that is. Of course, I know how hard. it is. let's all right. So let's let's talk about this because I think that that's, this is where we're getting to like a solution.
1: All right. Yes, that's that's deep. Because that means that you have to exist in this world where you know this person is being abused. And you have to know it's happening. So this is where parents and children and these dynamics get really scary. This is where you see a lot of parents disconnect from their children or vice versa. Because the parents are seeing the thing that's happening, but the kid is like, no, 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 no. And then we disconnect. I don't want to talk to you anymore. Get out of my face, you know. Just and sometimes the disconnect. Okay, they want space. And sometimes we need to circle back. We just need to circle back. And don't get me wrong. This isn't a man's problem. This is a societal problem, right? Like, um, right? Society created the construct that created the apathy that men have experienced when they try to get in and then they don't receive the support they need when they're trying to support somebody else.
0: I have a counter argument for that. Because we say that society created these men, but men created society and the society, like having gotten to the point where it's at, would arguably be on men not, being what it has historically meant to be a man to be in your values to hold true to that and we look at masculinity and it's supposed to be like the pillar of the structure the stability the safety like the masculinity represents the safety and the femininity represents freedom so creating a structure of safety for femininity to be able to run free within the protection of that which is masculine right so the cycle of abuse to me if I had to because I'm a very self-accountable person. If I do something like I take ownership. Like that's how I've been yeah. raised by not just my family, but like being part of a team. You know, we win together. We lose together. What was my role in this? We ask these questions. We watch the film. We study uh what it takes to get better and we look at what we were doing wrong. And I don't see that self accountability, nor do I see like I think there's a perpetuation of like this self love shit, the self love, narcissism, men are trash like that further distances us, not just from community and each other and being able to hold one another accountable and for that to have meaning behind it. But it's also keeping us from. Like, we get so self-absorbed and we see other people who are self-absorbed. And I think that shit has an effect on us. Like, it's pouring into us. I heard somebody say, you know, why do you think they call your social media a feed? Because it's something that you're consuming into your brain. Like, you are feeding that into your body. This is what you're putting out. Like, what you put in is what you put out. So these TV dramas and like the stuff that's on the porn the sex the, the all that kind of stuff consistently like I looked up and I don't see much family stuff on my feed and family is something that is very much a priority to me right now and I'm not seeing that shit so it's like how am I supposed to produce something out of me that's not being fed into me i'm like having to go out of my way to look for that kind of thing like looking for what's real and i'm doing so through these conversations and trying to spend more time around my friends who have families or my people who the people around me who are married or in relationships spending more time with them right so i say i say all of that to say that when it comes down to it the lack of accountability the lack of a code because like i think i said this in the last self episode i think this is going to go on something positive for positive people because we talked about herpes so much um but the the code of like knowing that as a man to do anything that's unjust especially to a woman or to a kid you know like yeah them your kids but also like you're held accountable by a community you know we don't have just access to people who are in our neighborhood and those are the people whose opinions of us mean anything. It's now a global connections and like different cultures do things differently. And when those kinds of things like leak into your own area everyday life you start to do things in a way that kind of jumble up communication and what's okay what's not okay and it's gotten to the point where lines are so crossed and intersecting that it's easy to just be like oh well maybe I just don't understand and it's not worth me trying to understand but this is where I come from this is where this is how I am this is who I am I don't think that that consistency among men who uphold and created this society like men weren't given the path of being able to sustain society in a way that did or does continue to despite like women being like i don't need no man i don't need no protection like and we still do that shit like regardless of woman's like don't open the door for me i'm fucking open the door for you like if I see that like abuse, I'm at the very least going to make my presence known, but I still got to think about it in the back of my mind. All right. If I go over there and beat the shit out of this dude, who beating the shit out of this girl, who's stopping what's stopping her from pulling out the gun and shooting me in the ass? Because everybody got a gun now. I feel like I'm the only person who probably ain't got one, but it's not OK. Two of us, me and you. <laughs> but um, it just feels like it's so unsafe. To be a man, not just in the sense of like not being supported by the person that you might even be protecting, but also from the other men around you who like, yeah, the the apathy thing, like the apathy has spilled out from men are trash, men ain't this, but I think it all started with boys being left in the dark by men to transition from being a boy to a man to a husband to a father to a contributor to society i don't know what the trajectory is but like that pathway has been broken because now we got boys just aging and now we've got like grown boys doing boy behavior in adult man bodies and that manifests itself as You know, without that leadership, without that guidance, they gotta figure it out on their own. And through figuring it out, a lot of people tend to get hurt. So I don't blame society. I I blame us. I blame this lack of self accountability. I blame lack of accountability from other men because we just don't have that anymore. Like when I was on when I was on a team, when I had a football team around me, like we did we made decisions that were in the greater good of something more we don't have that no more. Like, ain't nobody on the same page of what we're working towards.
1: Uh, you said a lot. <laughs> I'll say that when I say society, that's what I meant, right? The people around us. How we've gotten to this point as people. Um, You said, you did say something I want to touch on. The social media thing and your feed and your all the shit you are seeing versus what you want to see. I just had this conversation today with somebody because I have somebody in my life who has a partner who is having a really hard time seeing himself reflected in his surroundings. And he's struggling with being a co-parent and all this stuff. And social media is really fucking weird. I personally have like curated my Instagram, for example, Instagram is my resource for where I go To like my parenting stuff, my self help stuff with my anxiety, uh, the people that I follow uh, that are people that I follow on my spiritual guide, on my spiritual walk. So I've curated my Instagram page to be like my newspaper. I feed it what I wanna see. And the things that I don't wanna see, I just, even just fucking clicking on things on like social media. Tells the machine that you were interested in that. So I've had to like learn all those icky ways because my phone is my thing. That's where everything else is. And that's where I connect with other people because pandemic, everything else, right? So my Instagram page no longer fucking stresses me out. It used to. I just went through my fucking list one day, Courtney, seriously, and I unfollowed anything I didn't want to see anymore. If I don't fucking know you, You're not following me either. Like, my page is mine. I literally treat my Instagram page like a living journal. You know? Like, this is where I'm, like, keeping track of so many things in my life.
0: No, no. I just looked at how long we've been recording. It's been an hour and a half. Okay. That's amazing. No, no. This is amazing. Like, and I I feel like... You know, it may seem as if we didn't really talk about, you know, any particular thing. But I think that this is kind of like revving up the engine for what's to come. Um, Yeah. And, yeah, like, who better to do this with than somebody who, one, has the experience. But also, like, I think trust my intention with this enough to be challenged or to challenge even me. It's like people don't fucking challenge me on stuff. And it's kind of like all right, like I'm doing something wrong because no one is saying Courtney dot, dot, dot. But then I come to realize, like, I've just been losing followers. And after like supporting people with herpes and whatever support has been given. And I don't know. I don't know what it is. It can be a combination of things, but it's like, all right, like if I did something Talk to me, but people don't do that. People just unsubscribe. I'm taking care of my mental health. This is self care. Uh.
1: <laughs> I've learned that when okay, you're not the only person that I've connected with solely online, like that's a weird quirk of mine. Uh, I don't know what it is, but I connect with people online. If I'm following you, like I found your page because of the herpes, right? I found Courtney Brain for and I pulled up the herpes stuff, and that's how I found you. And then, like, I stayed for everything else, like, really, like, like you said, you know, come get what you want and then just go. But then, like, you started to move past the herpes thing, and I was like, oh, this guy has some cool stuff to say. Like, I'm interested in hearing his point of view. Yeah, like, wow, oh, my God. And I know I've told you a million times, if anybody's going to gas you up, it's going to be me. Like, I fucking love listening to you. Like, your point of view blows my mind. I don't get to, I had a lot of guy friends when I was growing up, but I don't have a lot of guy friends now in my adult life so i don't get to hear those point of views from people outside of my circle uh you know it's interesting it's valuable like uh, hello uh, i'm not here alone you know and i value what you have to say like i'm like oh my god you know that was fucking awesome i'll be listening to you and i'm like oh my god i gotta take notes where's my pen? my fucking brain is exploding like you know uh it's very validating it's weird i feel good hearing you validating yourself on your podcast Like, I'll be like, man, he, like, really had that moment there. Like, he really broke that down. Like, it makes me happy to, you know, see you, like, processing all that shit. And it makes me feel good to know that you're out there in the world trying to push that forward. Thank you. So, seriously, like, (laughs) fuck. Uh, There's no best. If anybody's going to gash you up it's me, I fucking love like, listen, if you're doing something right and you're like, I'm like, bro, like, go fucking do it. What do you need me to do? Just tell me I'm there. I got you. Like, and when it comes to social media and I've had to adjust my mental health. Yeah, but I don't just fucking like I don't treat my social media like that. It's mine. This is, this is where I go to like, I can't journal anymore because I don't have time to fucking like, I'm going to sit here and fucking write for three hours. I used to love doing that. I'm a writer by nature. Now I can post this picture and I'll put a few words and I'm not putting there for anybody. It's for me. That shit will pop up six months from now and a year from now. I can't track what I'm doing a year from now, but this motherfucking app does it for me. And it'll remind me and I'll be like, wow, a year ago, look at that net. I was being petty a couple of years ago when I was splitting from my husband. You know what I'm saying? I was like, you know, just like all kinds of wild shit. And my social media is mine. It is mine. I go there for my parenting stuff. I go there for my spiritual stuff. And I don't just go there. I connect with those people like I connect with you. Like, I've built these connections with other people through that fucking platform. Um, I can't deal with Facebook anymore. I cannot the facebook is there for my family um i have my family there and people that my family is huge it's composed of thousands of people i cannot possibly keep up with all of you i can't it is my family is gigantic so i'll I'll post updates for my family oh my god there's erica you know there's erica there's the kids and they feel better about knowing that i'm okay and that i'm happy and that i'm moving forward but i use it as my resource and i have curated it for that so if you want parenting stuff, uh, start looking at those. Stop looking at the other shit. If you have a bunch of people that are on there that, for what? Because then it gets lost, right? And then you're like, damn, I haven't seen something from such and such as, damn, but like something is popping up. When's the last time I saw your shit? And all of a sudden, like, I know that for you it was different because social media was for something positive for positive people. H on my chest so i know you've gone through this thing where you have to split courtney from that but not really because courtney is that
0: yeah it ain't split it's just that's what you make the
1: venom references a lot and i get what you're saying when you say that like you have to like you're this thing but you're this thing too but you have to be this thing but you're here too
0: yeah um so like transcendent duality
1: Yeah. Curated for fucking you. You're the only one who's looking at it. Let's be real. (laughs) It's your fuck I don't have your username and password, Courtney. Like you know. Mm. Uh social media fucking sucks, but in this day and age I feel like it is keeping us more connected because you're right. I don't wanna not touch on this. We are missing the community aspect. The accountability aspect. We've become so isolated from each other. Um, that we are not holding each other accountable because it is scary to hold each other accountable. There's not even a safe space to hold people accountable. Um and then when you mean there
0: the is, crucifixion? He, the crucifixion isn't safe.
1: <laughs> Did
0: you see that movie? Did
1: oh, you see no, what no. happened to the guy? I
0: think I said that wrong. But I mean it's just like when when people call you to the front or you get tagged and something and they're like this you, person dude. needs like, to be held accountable. They Did This thing (laughs) that hasn't been proven And And
1: I I Think you're right I think people um, Choose not I think people Do avoid engaging in the Hard stuff You know that whole thing like you can take the Horse to the fucking river but you can't make him Drink the water like yeah I can hold you accountable All day long but if you're not ready to be held accountable Then uh, what are we doing Oh let's just throw you in jail Oh that's gonna be fucking great And we all know how that
0: goes and just like a lot of other things have had the bar lowered on them, uh, I think even the word accountability has, you know, what does it even mean to be accountable? People just say, hold so-and-so accountable. You need to be held accountable, but I'm not going to do the emotional labor. And it's like, what? That you, you negated the statement, so now this is no longer valid. So hold me accountable for a thing that I did that I have no idea that I did or that it even wronged anybody. And again, it like devalues the experiences of people to where their voices are unheard. And I'm hearing like from a secondary tertiary voice or source that this thing happened. And it's like, well, all right, can this person talk to me like, no, you you need to be accountable for what you did and you need to sit in your emotions and I'm not going to do that. And I was like, what? Like, this shit. That's When people used to tell me this white people shit, like, I think that that's what I'm seeing now. It's just like, some of this social justice, performative, allyship, and activism is like the 2023 version of like, eating potato salad with raisins in it. Like, now this is what white people shit is.
1: And it's horrible, right? Because all of this shit that is the shit that is affecting people, right? There's always something that's distracting and it's fucking sucks that even this has been turned into a fucking shit show. Even activism has been turned into a thing. It's, it is Performative is like, to put it like, because the damage that it has by performing, you know, the, what, what's happening while you're performing, the people that you're pre- supposed to be like performing for to help them you're performing that's exactly what the fuck you're doing yeah but where's their help where's your help where's my help where's everybody else's help yeah like it's a lot i know
0: i know it's a lot i know i introduced this itself but uh this is this is going on as something positive for you (laughs) um (laughs) I very much appreciate this, and I think this will maybe be like a good transition episode for anybody, because uh, I'm still trying to figure out what I want to do with something positive after episode 300, and I just I just don't know. I don't know what I want to do next. And um, as far as interviews go, like I'm somewhere between inviting people uh who reach out to me and like hey I have a question like hey I have a podcast want to be a guest on it we could record the conversation anonymously and give people like a glimpse into what these things look like and people like oh I don't think I'm ready for that but no one I've interviewed has been ready to be on the podcast unless they were selling something <laughs> and like that's I, I try not to even bring them people on anymore but uh no, I, I very much appreciate like just talking and being able to speak through this. And no, this doesn't have like a closed end to this podcast episode. Like we talked about abuse. We talked about what it looks like. We talked about, you know, just the reality of um i don't think i got to bring it back full circle talking about the food stamps thing or because i was starting to get into that but just speaking about how like government assistance you know a lot of people who are on it like depend on it and that's it but like there are really people out here who just need to be able to utilize it like i'm leaving portland this friday um today's tuesday i'm leaving portland in three days and I don't need food stamps anymore and I'm not gonna have my healthcare benefits anymore, but like it served its purpose because I was able to get here. I was able to start working, get a part-time job. I was able to get that $250 a month to be able to buy groceries, feed myself and feed myself like a good quality of food um, while working toward getting to a point where I can take care of myself. And I'm so grateful for those programs because of that. And yeah, there's people who take advantage, but it sucks that like, you as someone who just needs that little bit of extra help don't meet this requirement and therefore can't get it that, that's what I wanted to make sure to just like touch on because I, I hate when I don't get like finished complete thoughts because I hate when people do that to me but uh Erica yeah we <laughs> we had a <laughs> we had a uh, hour and 41 minutes so uh, is there anything you want to leave me with or anything that you haven't said that you want to say
1: um <clears throat> I think like the most important thing, not the most important thing, but if I had to close with somebody with with something, I would just reiterate what I read it, what I said the first time. Right? Um abuse looks really different for everybody. Um it's going to be okay. If you're still there, um reach out for help. It's there uh the national what is it? National hotline for abuse, I actually reached out to them. Um and if you're not ready, that's okay. Yeah. Um I want everybody to remember as well that we're still in a pandemic and people are locked in their houses with their abusers. That's really fucking scary. So if anybody was wondering what the correlation was and the higher rates of everything, uh the community failed all those people too. So we need to like Remember that the Internet is great, but we're all like neighbors to each other. We're all living in a real world outside of our phones in relationships um, that are not so great. And it's okay to check on each other. And, you know, we can't like be super judgmental either. Uh, It is what it is. We all make choices and sometimes we don't know why we make them, but we make them and we're there. And we just want people to meet us where we are without like making us feel like shit about it. Okay. And that's not just for like victims of abuse. That's just for like people in general. Yeah. You know. Thank mm. you. That's it.
0: Thank you. All right. Um and one of the things Erica said was uh yeah, you may want to save somebody from their abuser, um, and the important thing is to just be there when they're ready, as hard as that can be. Like, I, I, I see it, I've been there, and it's a risk. Um, The risks may not be worth it, but it's all a matter of what aligns with your values. And I mean, for people who, you know, are identifying as what it is to be a man, you know, part of that is being able to assert that dominance and violence, if necessary, um, being a dangerous person who is capable of mitigating harm, you know, where you can, you know, use your discernment. Of course, like, yes. it's, it's so tricky. It's, uh, it's hard. We can't yes. say exactly what, is going to happen, but I mean, it's going to require the men who are there to be men to the men around them and build communities so that boys can be put on the trajectory of going from being a boy to a man to a partner to being a father and also being able to be a contributor into society. And I think that that is something that's necessary for us to get to a place where society can be a safer place, where there's also... With the correlation of more safety, the more freedom we have, because I think that that's really what it is. The more safety we have, the more freedom we have. And people think, you know, maybe the more freedom we have, the more safety we need. And that's not how it's going to work. So it really does start with us. It starts with us being disciplined, consistent and trusted. There is definitely a major wound uh, in the trust in the men or masculine energy. And uh, the only way to really heal that is to heal that. Like, <laughs> um, somebody I listened to on YouTube, Till Swan, said healing is just doing the opposite. The thing that caused you pain, the thing that hurt you, you have to do the opposite of that. And that's how we heal. So that concludes this episode of Something Positive for Positive People, even though i opened open with self. Please like, rate, review, share, subscribe to this podcast. If you made it this long, God bless you. I, I appreciate you so much. But this is a sneak peek into what the conversations are on my other podcast, Self, if you want to check that out. Um, yeah, I'll catch y'all next time.